0: Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, as we continue our series through Galatians. Galatians 5, our text is going to begin in verse 13. but we're going to start back at verse uh, 7. Start at verse 7, uh, which we looked at last week, but our text is going to begin in verse uh, 13. So the text is 13 through 15, both we'll start at verse 7 in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, verse 7. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and that the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. And here's our text. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. That's as far as reading in Galatians 5, to encourage you to keep your Bibles open as we look at these words together. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, slavery and freedom are two topics, two terms that we hear a lot about today. Perhaps you saw in the news a few weeks back, they're talking about reparations for the descendants of former slaves. Or you also hear quite often that people want to be free to live and act any way that they wish. And for some of you who might like history, it was Patrick Henry that said, Give me liberty or give me death. So, what is freedom? What is true freedom? What does it mean to be free? In Galatians 5, we're continuing to see that the liberty that we have in Jesus Christ is a liberty from, from the law, but that does not mean that we are free to do whatever we want. It is liberty, we're going to see liberty from something, but also liberty for something. Because the fact is, we all have a master. We all serve something. Everyone has some, a principle or set of rules that guards our lives, So what principle governs your life? What principle should govern the lives of those who are set free in Jesus Christ? So today we are going to be looking at this theme. Jesus Christ sets us free to lovingly serve one another. Jesus Christ sets us free to lovingly serve one another. Now, we all like the idea of being free, but just imagine for a moment what it would have been like at the end of the Civil War for someone who had been born in slavery, lived his entire life in slavery, where someone is always telling you where to go and what to do, that you could not make any choice for yourself. Suddenly, you are liberated. Suddenly, you are set free. Suddenly, your former master is no longer your master you might think, well, that would be great, that would be wonderful to be set free, but can you imagine the, the confusion? Where do I go? What do I do? Yes, I'm set free, but to what end? All of this is to say a legal status of freedom is not the same thing as living a life of freedom. Simply being declared free needs to be followed by a life of liberty. The rule for the Christian life is this. This is found in 5 verse 1, Galatians 5 verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set you free. So why did Christ set you free? To what end? He set you free to live a life of a freed person. Our text opens in in verse 14. You are called to freedom. In our first point, then, we are going to consider exactly what it means to be called to freedom. Now, in being called to freedom, here again, the focus is on the work of God. It's God who calls us, God who sets his uh, appointed seal, his loving affection upon us. We are called out of darkness, called out of bondage, called out of slavery, The Father has called us and made us his own. The Spirit has opened our eyes, given us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to to understand, to embrace, to know, to be united to Christ. So we're called out of slavery to sin, death, and hell. But now that we are free, we are not free to do whatever we want, and we are surely not free to just stand there We are not free to to live a life of inactivity. No, we are set free to serve, as verse 13 concludes, but through love to serve one another. We are called, set free, and yet at the same time we belong and we are called to serve. Now, many libertarians have this idea of complete freedom from the government, that the government should have nothing to say, our rulers should just stay out of our lives and leave us alone. And some have wrongly applied this to the Christian life. If I am set free from sin, I am free to do, free to live any way and do anything that I want to do. I can live and act as I please. But that is not what the Bible says. The Bible says you are set free, yes, but you are set free to serve. You see, a slave is someone who is forced to do something contrary to their desires. But as Christians, we are set free and we want, we desire, we long to obey our new master. Now, this is an ironic point that Paul is pressing We are set free, and yet we are servants. We are liberated, and yet we are compelled. Set free from the cruel taskmaster of the devil, which leads to a life of sin, bondage, and ultimate death. But that does not mean we are free agents to do whatever is right in our own eyes. So let's look at what Paul says in verse 13. Let's look at what it means to be free in Christ. We have liberty called to freedom. We are set free from the corrupt desires of the flesh. The chains of sin have been broken. We are no longer in the dungeon of hell. We are set free to serve. The word for service here in verse 13 is duleo, it's connected to the word, for servant or slave. And Paul will refer to himself this way in many different ways, in many different times. He calls himself Paul, a servant of Christ, a slave, a bond servant of Christ. So we are called to service, to sacred service, Our lives are now governed by a different set of rules. We belong to Christ. We are his possession. He is our master. And what he says holds ultimate sway. This is the Christian's life. So we are set free to serve. And the way we serve is in the context of love or through love. We serve through love. Servants who serve with love as a a motivating uh, capacity. The word for love here is agape, as you may know. It is a uh, heart-filled sacrificial service that puts the good of others. It is a a heart uh, of love that is motivated, looking to, to what would best benefit those Whom we are serving. So we are free servants who serve through love, but who are we called to serve? We are called to lovingly serve one another, verse 13 concludes. We are members of a family, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, we are part of this one sacred assembly and called to serve in the context of fellow brothers and sisters. We are called to serve for the benefit motivated by love for the good of those God has placed in our lives. As the summary of the law would say, we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. If we do this, the church is going to be built up, fellow members are going to be encouraged and strengthened And there will be great blessings overflowing in the context of the church. So although it seems ironic, we are liberated, and yet we are slaves. We are free, and yet we are compelled. Set free by Jesus Christ, now called to be servants of him, who sacrifice our lives, motivated by love, serving through love for the good of one another. So yes, we are liberated from the power of this present age, set free from the law in its condemnation and curse, but that does not make us lawless people, right? And that's the the point of, of looking at the law through the proper lens. We are set free from the law as it condemns and curses, yet that it does not mean that we have no regard or complete disregard for the law. Rather, the law is now impressed upon us. It's binding because the law of love now motivates us. Is the channel through which our lives flow. The law of liberty is the law of love set free by Jesus Christ to serve one another. Now, what does this look like? What does it look like to lovingly serve one another? Well, that can take many different forms, as we saw this morning, many different ways that the church can minister to one another as fellow members in the body of Christ. It can be sharing each other's burdens, weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice, living your life together, walking side by side doing whatever the Lord puts on your heart and gives you the ability to do, the capacity to perform for the good of your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So although we are free from the law as a means of being justified, right? We don't obey the law in order to make us Christians or in order to earn our justification, the law no longer condemns the curse, the condemnation aspect of the law has been satisfied by Jesus Christ. But it is also true that we are still under the law as a guide to holy living since the law is summarized by the word of love. So we think as we, we look at our how we relate to each other How can I lovingly serve those who are my fellow brothers and sisters? How can I show this agape love, the the love that God has for us, how can I show that to my brothers and sisters? How can I put that into practice? That's what it means to be set free, set free to lovingly serve. But as we come to our second point, we find that the Christian life is both a, a living and a dying In our freedom, we say yes to lovingly serving each other, but we are also called to say no to the flesh. As I said before, liberty in Christ does not mean that we are free to live, to do, to act any way that we see fit. This is a grave misunderstanding in our society. People think that freedom means freedom from responsibility or freedom from any restraint. But freedom and responsibility are mutual and connected. So it is, those who belong to Jesus Christ are free from the law as it condemns and curses, but that is never an opportunity to sin. As Paul would ask in Romans chapter 6, Should we sin so that grace abounds? Surely not. Yes, it is true that Christ has has died. He's taken on the curse of the law so that the the law is no longer hanging over your head like like a, a giant sword ready to strike you down. Yes and amen, that has been satisfied in Christ. But that does not mean that I can go out and live any way that I want. The flip side of the first point is this. Do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Again, in verse 16, Paul will put it like this. Those who walk by the Spirit will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So let's read verse 13 again. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. This word opportunity in verse 13 is the word that is used for the staging ground of a war. You have the troops that are gathered together where they are putting on their armor, sharpening their swords, getting ready for battle. Or you could also think of an athlete before he starts his race, uh, the place that he warms up, he stretches, he gets ready for the battle, for the race set before him. Paul says, do not use your freedom to be a staging ground for your flesh to engage in battle against you. Do not give an opportunity for your flesh to get warmed up, if you will, to become a foothold to gain mastery but rather you must keep it in submission and subjection. Paul says don't give an opportunity for the flesh. The word flesh here is, it's sarks. It simply symbolizes everything that is earthly, worldly, natural, your unredeemed state or your old man, your former nature. Basically, Paul is saying that even though you are a Christian, there is a part of you that still bears the scars of the old man. And this part of you wants to dominate. As as Christians, we are saints and sinners at the the same time. And, And that's really what the Christian life of sanctification is, is putting to death the sins that remain, coming alive in the image of Christ. Saying no to the flesh and the fleshly desires? Paul says, as a Christian, you have a wild animal living in your backyard. This animal wants to eat you. So Paul says, don't feed this animal and don't open the door. Don't give an opportunity to the flesh to get in the house and consume you. So it is with the sinful desires. Don't feed it. Don't give it any help. Don't give it an opportunity. If you know that you are engaging an army of darkness and you know where the army is getting ready for battle, don't wait for that army to become full strength before you engage in the battle. You put it to death when and where you see it. Don't give it any help. Don't give it any opportunities. Don't let it fester. It's like the root of sin, right? So if you know that there is a a, a sin, a weed that is growing in you, don't wait until that, that root goes down deep. That tap root is established and it buds and blossoms and spreads and consumes your life. Pull it out right away. Put it to death. Don't let your flesh your natural desires become your master because it's not your master. Christ is. So for example, if you are are tempted to drink too much, would it be wise to go and hang out at a pub? If you struggle with with, uh, sexual sins, don't go where you'll be tempted. You struggle with pornography. Avoid the places where pornography is found. Give no opportunity to the flesh, Paul says. Else you'll become enslaved to the passing things of this world. Don't do what comes natural, don't do what is easy. Don't let your body and its desires be your commanding officer. Paul puts it like this. I needed to to learn to to treat my body like an enemy. I had to put it to death, fight against it. The fact is, God's people are not free to live and do anything that they see fit. Freedom is never an excuse for sin. The freedom from the law is not a license to rebel against the one who set you free. As we saw in our first point, there is still a good and necessary use of the moral law. That's the law of liberty, the law of love. But for those who want to get rid of the law, they don't understand what it means to be free in Christ. So who then is the slave? If you live at the, at the whim of every desire, if your, your wants have control of your life and dictate how you live, are you not still a slave? We read this earlier in John 8. Everyone who commits sin is slave to sin. Sin is enslaving. It's like an addiction. The more you do it, the easier it is to do it the next time. And the less reward you receive from it. So you're always pushed and pulled and yearning for more. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 6, you can't have two masters. You're going to always serve one over the other. Either yourself, your desires, your sinful flesh will be your master, or it's Jesus Christ. Paul says you were bought at a price. Don't live for yourself. Glorify God with your body. You've been purchased body and soul. Before we close, Paul brings this paragraph to a conclusion by bringing the results of these two ways of life before us. So verse 15, we find out what happens to people who live like the first point or who live like the second point. If you're living for yourself, if you are letting your sarx your flesh be your master what does that lead to what's the consequence perhaps you have heard what is called free love free love is simply the commitment to sexual freedom without responsibility what they call it today is a body count how many sexual partners you have had is that freedom What what kind of life does that lead to? Doing whatever feels right. I'm free to have a good time. I'm free to live for the now. But what happens to someone who lives like this? What happens to those around them? Paul puts it like this, verse 15, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. What happens when you live in a society and among people who are committed to the self, selfishly pursuing what they want, living as their own master? What ends up happening is society starts to consume itself. Biting, ripping, tearing Those who live according to the flesh, Paul says, are acting like wild animals. If your goal is to get ahead in this world, the world says you need to use others. You need to step on others in order to get ahead. You crush others under your feet. What happens to society when you do that? Paul would say it's full of hatred. As you hate and other people hate you. The law of slavery to the flesh ends up with everyone being consumed. What kind of person bites a member of its own family? Who chews on their own hand? Using words to destroy and break down what God has created good and in his image. That's the end result of a lifestyle, of a a person's life who has lived in slavery, living at the whim of the flesh. It breaks down, it destroys, it consumes. It's bankrupt. If, however, you live according to the law of liberty and love, instead of being consumed, biting, and devouring, you find that others are built up. And the saints are encouraged. As we saw this morning, When you see it as an opportunity, as a member of God's people, to use your gifts to build others, others are blessed and you are blessed. Where your words are seasoned with salt, full of grace, useful for teaching and encouraging and building up others. The church is strengthened. You see, brothers and sisters, the church can be a place of great blessing, but it can also be a place of great pain, where saints are either built up or torn down, all in the name of liberty. But true liberty is service through love to one another. The difference is between using people for your own gain or using your gifts for the benefit of others. As I said before, everyone's life is governed by some set of principles. If your life is is set by the principles of doing whatever is easy, whatever feels right to yourself, if you let your body, your desires, your natural inclinations determine how you live and what you do, Paul says, watch out. Because if you live your life biting and devouring other people, soon you are the one who's going to be consumed. But for those of you who have a life governed by service, sacrificial love to others, then you are being built up as well as you build others up. This is the kind of freedom That we have in Christ. Freedom to lovingly serve those of his people. As we close, the book of Galatians is constantly warning against two enemies, two wrong uses of the law. The first wrong use of the law is legalism. You try to use the law as a way to get in God's good graces. The second wrong use of the law is antinomianism, which means against the law. Get rid of the law altogether. Today we find that true freedom is freedom to love, which is the fulfillment of the law. Inside the heart of every one of us, there is a little child that just wants to scream, you can't tell me what to do. We all have that little child in our heart that wants to scream, who are you to tell me what to do? We all want to be free. America is the free country, we say. But for those in Christ, freedom is not an excuse to sin. We have freedom from something, but freedom for something. We have freedom from sin, but freedom to serve through love. So then which law are you obeying? The law of the flesh or the law of love? Good works are not a grounds for our justification, but they are a necessary fruit of our justification. So we are set free by Christ, set free to serve, to live a life of love that builds others up. As our theme sets, Jesus Christ sets us free to lovingly serve one another. So if Christ has set you free, you are free Indeed. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, this wonderful reminder that we are not our own, but we've been set free by Christ, now servants of you. May your law of love and liberty be impressed upon us. May we be desirous of serving one another sacrificially, knowing that you use the service within the church to be a great blessing to the body of Christ. May we give no opportunity to the flesh. May we give no foothold to the devil. But rather, may we constantly put to death the sins that remain and come alive in the image of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.